Welcome to The Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hylia Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the jockey club. Welcome to the Jockey Club, a scene-by-scene look at the movie Let It Ride. I'm your host, Dan Delgado. And today, since this is the sixth episode, that means we'll be taking a look at the sixth scene of the movie. If you're playing along at home, that means we're looking at, more specifically, minute 1835 to minute 2027. This is where Trotter makes his first bet, and it's also the first time we see Cheeseburger and the ticket seller. And joining me at my usual table in the Jockey Club is someone who may be overqualified for the job, award-winning sports writer Richard Linehan. In addition to writing about horse racing for the Tulsa World and working at the Remington Park Racing and Casino, Linehan worked and was friends with the late, great Jay Cronley himself, whom you know, of course, as the author of Good Vibes, the book Let It Ride was based on. In this episode, yes, we do get to talk about the sixth scene, but you will also hear about some bad beats at the track and just how close was Jay Cronley to his creation, Jay Trotter. I think you have a unique perspective when it comes to Let It Ride because you knew Jay Cronley, author of Good Vibes, correct? Right. We were friends for about 25 years, worked at the same newspaper. And he taught me everything I know, just about 90% of everything I know about horse racing. Uh, They came to me one day, my sports editor, I was covering the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs for our newspaper. And our horse racing writer decided to become a U.S. district judge in Las Vegas. So she was going to law school. And he said, you're about the only one with a flexible beat. So can you cover horse racing for us? Well, my mom... She never took us around horses when we were kids because she had a dream, a recurring dream about a horse biting her in the back. So I didn't know the first thing about a horse. And I ended up having to cover horse racing. They said, just go talk to Jay. He'll tell you anything you need to know. (laughs) Now, it's interesting because since they had Jay there, you would think that he would be the person covering horses, no? He was our main columnist for the newspaper. He had three columns. He was like a humorist. Uh, like a Dave Barry, and we couldn't afford to take him out of that position. He was still going over to Oakland every year. He and I went over there a few times, and I covered Oakland for the newspaper uh, all the way through American Pharaoh's Arkansas Derby win until I got out of newspaper. Oh, wow. So when is that? Is that like like 2010? Yeah, I think so. And and then I'm at Remington Park right now as the assistant communications manager here in Oklahoma writing press releases for the horse racing here. Okay. So now generally when I have somebody new on, on this podcast, the first question I ask them, and maybe you'll have a, an interesting answer for this is when was the first time that you saw let it ride? Oh my gosh. It was right after it came out. I mean, I had read the book already because Jay, you know, had written it. It was called good vibes. 
the book uh, actually had a different title. But I knew it was coming out, and he, he was, you know, taking me aside and laughing at some of the parts that he thought I would love. And he was right. Uh, Robbie Coltrane was one of the, <laughs> the ones that he loved the most, the teller who played that part. Oh, that's funny, because the scene that we're going to talk about is the first scene that, uh, that the ticket seller is in. So I'm really glad to hear that. I'm glad. I was hoping that since you are somebody who clearly you've had experience going to tracks and that, that you would have some interesting perspective on this scene where, where Jay Trotter makes his first wager of the day. But one thing I want to ask you before we start that is All right. I always think it's interesting. Now, I, I talked to, to, to Jay. Uh, I interviewed him twice, actually. And I always thought it was interesting that in Good Vibes, he named his main character Jay a guy who goes to the track a lot, yeah. and he's Jay, a guy who goes to the track a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> from your perspective, how close do you think Jay Trotter and Jay Cronley actually were? Well, I would say they were very, very close to each other, with the exception of when the, Jay was on a losing streak, Jay Cronley, you did not want to be around this man at the racetrack. He would throw goggles I mean, uh, binoculars, goggles. And uh, I saw him throw binoculars and hit a big glass window at Remington Park one time. I think he got kicked out of every track in Oklahoma. But just to give you an insight into Jay's philosophy and wagering, he was always a guy that thought that if he bought you a ticket, that his luck was would be better. So he had all these different odd intricacies of how to wager and how he could win more money. So there was one day back in 1990 when we were at Remington Park and uh, he was sitting in silks. He said, come down and see me because I was up working in the press box. And I was trying to figure out how to play a pick six that day. I had a $72 ticket that I thought had a really good chance to hit the pick six at Remington. And I was counting on that money coming from the Daily Double because I was down to about $15. So okay. I missed the first half of the Daily Double. I said, well, enough of this. I'll go down and see Jay. I get down to Jay in the second race, and the pick six starts in race three. And he throws a $5 exact at me at the table and says, here, that's for you. <laughs> and sure enough, it hit. It paid over $100. And I said, thanks, Jay. I got to go. <laughs> I went, went and played my $72 pick six, and I hit my first pick six that day for $17,000. Oh, my and, God. Uh, yeah, Jay wrote a column uh, in the paper on Monday that said, uh, my friend hit the pick six for $17,000, and all I got was dinner. <laughs> <laughs> he did not expect you to uh, split any winnings on any tickets that he bought you? He didn't. He he knew that okay, the car, the car I was driving would, the passenger door would come or the driver's side door would come open when I went went around corners and when I had my dog sitting on my lap, it got pretty exciting. So I had to get a new car. <laughs> <laughs> Jay was okay. a character. Oh yeah, yeah. He certainly seemed like one. He certainly did. Uh, I love hearing. These kinds of stories, and also that my suspicions about the both Jays being somewhat similar are are kind of uh, accurate there. Yeah, the thing about Jay Trotter is he was on a kind of run 
that Jay always used to tell me a story about how he went to the track one day, started with a $5 win parlay, and just kept rolling it over on the next race, and he got up to $10,000. There was one race left. He put 10000 to win on a horse and lost by a nose. And when he got home, his wife said, um, how'd you do it at the track? And he said, oh, not too bad. I lost $5. that's what trotter reminded me of oh man all right so what i'm gonna do is just kind of walk us through the events of the scene and then any comments that you have or that you want to throw in or any perspective i would i would love to hear especially from a, a betting perspective especially on kind of the the relationships that these people seem to have with each other i'm always curious to as to just how accurate it was you know okay All right, so in this scene, it starts out where Trotter is walking up to the $50 minimum bet window. And what I love about the line is uh, ahead of him is a a very minor character, a guy. He's got a giant cigar and and big, thick uh, sunglasses. And he was one of the guys that that later on answers uh, Trotter's poll when he's asking for (laughs) his third horse. Anyway, behind him is the first time we come across Cheeseburger. Played by Richard Dimitri. He comes, he sees that he's there. He looks at Jay, realizes that he's at the $50 window instead of, I guess, the normal $2 window for these guys. Yeah. And he asks him one of the best question. He says, Is some relative die? And, <laughs> and Cheeseburger is a guy, he's wearing this red Hawaiian shirt. It is open all the way down to his navel. He's got a lot of gold chains. Did you see guys like this at the track? Oh, heck yeah. In fact, Jay told me that he based a lot of this story on people he saw at Oakland in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And, I mean, if you know the background of that town, that was like a hideout for Al Capone during his big crime wave days back in the, what was it, the 40s or the 30s. I mean, he was so well-respected in Hot Springs that they had a restaurant named after him and nobody talked bad about him in that town so you can imagine the kind of uh, people that did attract back in the day when horse racing was actually the only thing you could bet on in in those days instead of in sports oh wow so guys like cheeseburger based on real guys from who who may or may not have been hiding out in hot springs arkansas <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> uh, so here, Cheeseburger asks Trotter which horse he likes. And Trotter, who's not been wanting to tell anybody his horse, kind of reluctantly, very quietly tells him it's the number four horse. And I'm guessing it's he, maybe he probably does not want to cause a scene or have a discussion. But this is clearly the worst thing he could have done because Cheeseburger finds this to be hysterical. He starts laughing. Four horse is a joke, Trotter. The four horse is a joke, Trotter. Everything he says here, by the way, is hysterical. And, and also, his delivery of these lines, you know, they put little children on the four horse. Do have their pictures taken. Excuse me. It's hysterically funny, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. And let me tell you something. We had guys at the racetrack back in the day in 1990s. Uh, these are some of the best handicappers in this area of the country. Would we would always ask, you know, who do you like in this race? And we'd say, do you like this horse? And uh, one of them was Bob Forrest. He, we loved asking Bob who, if he liked our horse. And it, as soon as he said he hated that horse, that the 
course would be they send out a search party for him after the race. We would go to the window and just collect. So <laughs> there were characters just like that in the press box. I mean, one time Jay even almost got into a fight in the press box with Bob Forrest. They worked for the same newspaper, but uh, Bob and Jay did not like each other. And Bob had picked a horse that was like three to five to win a race. And Jay loved this horse that was seven to one. And they're coming to the quarter pole. And Jay's horse has about a five length lead. And uh, he says, uh, how do you like that, Bob? And Bob says, you can't cash your tickets at the quarter pole. And I mean, the three to five horse ends up beating Jay's horse by a nose. And oh my God. Jay got out of his chair and went over to Bob and was just kind of belly bumping him. You going to tell me when I can cash my tickets? You going to tell me? <laughs> it was great times, man. Oh, my God. So a lot of these guys in this movie, they seem to be under the impression that they know a lot about the sport of horse racing. They know a lot about these horses. Everyone believes that the four horse is a joke. Is, do people like this, they actually believe these things? They, like, how do they have this sort of, is it an insight? Is it because they've seen the horses run in another race? Is it a sixth sense? Where does this idea or, or this, um, this thought of, of knowledge, this belief, I should say, this belief of knowledge, where do you think that comes from? Well, you know what? In the case of guys like Bob Forrest, who was considered one of the best handicappers here in Oklahoma when Remington Park opened up, this guy had a, a, a memory that was just like a steel trap. He, he could remember any race that he ever saw. And if a horse got in trouble in that race, then he would know the next time to bet it. And uh, unfortunately, he always bet it wrong. He'd bet a $40 straight exact and it'd run first with a different horse. And so he had uh, all kinds of collectors covered after him, but he was the best uh, handicapper in the world, but he was the worst better. So uh, <laughs> it's funny. These guys, they just, you know, they get on their high horse and, and sometimes they do know a lot about horse racing, but they still lose thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. All right. So at this point, you know, Cheeseburger is laughing at him, making fun of him. Trotter starts yelling for help. And... I'm impressed at how quickly the security guard comes up. It's uh, it's Reardon, we'll learn later on. But he appears, and he picks up Cheeseburger and starts taking him away. Cheeseburger cannot stop laughing at, at, at Trotter. He's not even <laughs> concerned so much that he's being removed. He just he does say to him, watch the, watch the chains as, as he's being manhandled, right? Yeah. And it's almost as though, yes, I understand that you have to remove me for, because I'm harassing the I'm harassing the customers, just don't break my chain as you do right. it. And you still hear him laughing like a, a good solid thirty seconds to a minute after he's gone from the scene. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but we have a correction. Please update your racing form to indicate that Cheeseburger's laugh lasts only for about six or seven seconds, not thirty seconds to a minute, but it does seem longer. Thank you. That's right. That's the man that's been in horse racing jail before, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> have, have you have you ever been in a horse racing jail? Is that a thing? I have not. I haven't even seen a track that has, the, you know, the, some NFL football stadiums like the old Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia used to have a 
a jail just for overzealous fans. Of course, that's Philadelphia. But the closest thing I've come to uh, criminal activity, I, I worked at a little tiny track here in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Fair Meadows. And we used to have about 10,000 people come out before all the, you know, the lottery and all this stuff blew up, the casinos. And so 10,000 people would come out to the track. And then one weekend, I heard a big commotion over by the betting windows. And I go to see what's going on, talk to our security, head of security. And she said, well, we just took a guy to the hospital. His friend won $1,000 on a trifecta and he owed his buddy money that was there with him. And the buddy oh. wanted oh. to get his money and he wouldn't give it to him. So he bit his ear off. Oh, yeah. And here's the funny part. We could have taken him to a hospital about two miles away from the track. And uh, because he was of North American, uh, Native American status, he wanted to go to an Indian hospital, which was an hour and a half away. From oh, Tulsa. my God. Yeah, they just oh, put wow. his ear on ice, and he just enjoyed his ride. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. All right, Trotter finally gets to to the window, and this is where we first see the ticket seller. And the ticket seller does not like Trotter. No. Trotter's there to drop his $50 down on, on his number four horse, and the ticket seller immediately tells him, this is the $50 window, the $2 window is right over there. So <laughs> have you had any experiences with ticket sellers who notice regular guys that maybe they don't care for because, I don't know, they're undesirable, they're degenerates, whatever? Oh, yeah. I'm sure that the uh, teller there in the movie thought, here's another guy that thinks he knows everything about horse racing. I'll put up with him, but at any cost, I'll make sure that he is denied any kind of integrity so uh at first he just hates his guts and kind of derides him but uh, as you see during the movie that changes oh yeah it completely changes right like yeah this is this is great because it's this first interaction that it's just so negative but yeah as we go on it's going to become so much so much better you know i can remember that i would uh i would go to highlight with my brother and he would handle all the betting. I was he's my older brother. And yeah. he would there would be certain guys that he kind of knew just in this you know, like their entire relationship was just I'm betting you're giving you're handing me a ticket. But it, they had like a little bit of conversation, a little bit of rapport. And so I would think that just like that, there's also that flip side where it's like, ugh, this guy again. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be what Jay is. So Trotter insists on making his bet. The ticket seller eventually he sells it to him, and he says, "You know, uh, thank you." Event the ticket is so snide. He says, "Believe me, it was nothing." As just completely <laughs> dismissing him, and then even after Trotter leaves, he starts like staring at that fifty dollar bill. Like, <laughs> is this real? Is this legit? So, I guess really uh, that is pretty much the end of that scene, but. That, that ticket seller relationship, that's not anything that, that you've had. Have, what have been uh, your relationships like with ticket sellers? Well, I, I did work uh, running a simulcast facility in Tulsa there for a while, for about 16 years. So I had to deal with the tellers as well. And some of the tellers, you you know, you, you want to trust them, but you know in the back of your mind, you 
<laughs> you better keep an eye out for it, you know any of them. He, he started out the day giving them a $2,500 cash bag, and they turned that in at night, you know, after all the tickets are sold. And we got everything in one morning and started counting it, and we were $2,500 short. Oh, so, oh, oh. I mean, you gave them a $2,500. Yeah, each of them to take oh, to okay. their drawer. And then they would use <laughs> okay. that to give yeah, we give them that to make change for the guys that bought tickets and stuff like that. So at the end of the night, they turned their cash bag in, plus all the bets that were in it. And uh, we were short one morning, $2,500. And one of the tellers had left the, her bag in her drawer. It's just unlocked. <gasps> it was still oh, there. Wow. When we got oh, in there wow. in the morning, she just, she was very, I mean, you know, you, you get all kinds of different people that work that job. And uh, you kind of get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally understand that. So let me ask you, what did Jay, when this movie came up, what did he have to say about it? Was he, did you find him to be proud of it? Did you find him to be, you know, okay with it? Like, what do you think his attitude was? I think he really loved it. I you know I don't think he, uh, any of his movies ever lived up to his books, according to him, but. <laughs> But uh, that's probably true of any author. And but I, I, I think he enjoyed it or, uh, quite a bit when they were filming the movie. He was right there on the set with Dreyfus. And uh, he said after they wrapped up for the day that they went down to the uh, dog track. And uh, I think it was in Houston uh, or south of Houston. And said as far as Let It Ride goes, Richard Dreyfus didn't make a winning bet all night. So he was nothing like his character. <laughs> so, but he, he loved it. He loved Robbie Coltrane. He loved Buster Poindexter, whatever, David Johansson, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Right. The, yes, yes, yes. You remember him, the one that gave blood so he could make a bet with the money oh. he got from making, giving blood. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. 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 So is this a movie that, that, that you watch? From time to time? Does it come back to you? Uh, anytime I see it on television, I record it because you just never know when it's not coming back. I yeah. know it didn't get panned when it came out, but I, I thought it was hilarious the first time I saw it. But I think you almost have to be a little bit of an insider in horse racing to enjoy and understand what exactly happened that day. Plus the characters that Jay produced. Oh, my gosh. The guy in the jockey club with the... Uh, oxygen tank and his his uh, <laughs> trophy wife michelle oh, phillips yeah. from the mamas and the papas oh my gosh yes. mm-hmm. that was yes, yes. Uh, you know speaking of the jockey club actually that's the name of of the podcast is the jockey club that's sort of the the conceit of the podcast is that <laughs> you and i that we're actually sitting in the jockey club right now that's kind of the idea so I better go uh, <laughs> I better go get my tie right right so <laughs> Places like that in tracks. Have you been inside? I have not been inside places like this. So I'm in the just jockey curious. club. Yeah, like jockey club. Like that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked at Sam Houston Race Park down in Houston, and I had to go in the jockey club quite a bit there. We'd see some of the major league baseball players there. Moises Alou always came in. He loved horse racing. Oh, nice. And Doug Drayback. He, he was one of the pitchers for the Astros back then. Oh, sh- he, he loved it, too, and you'd see all kinds of celebrities down there. Patrick Swayze, I, I interviewed one time. 
in the paddy. And um, guys like that uh, would come out all the time. And a lot of times they would go to the to the um, jockey club. Now, one that didn't was Lyle Lovett. He's, he went right out there and sat with the regular people. He said, no, nah, I don't want to sit in there. I'll sit here with my friends. So, <laughs> it, so it's, it's quite interesting, the different uh, people that come and go through those doors. I mean, uh, it's a little bit haughty for some, but yes, you know, yeah, I would imagine. So <laughs> did, did you feel like it's a kind of a haughty, like anytime you're going in there, it's like, Oh yes, this is, it's a little haughty in here, but I'm, a, you know, I could deal with it. Well, as the racetrack representative, you kind of have to cater to that effect, but, um, Moises, the low, the Lou, guys like that, they were really nice people. I mean, most of them were just regular people that had money, you know? just lucky enough to be in that upper set. I mean, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, the part uh, where the TV guy comes and that guy that actually the character was based on the TV announcer, he used to come to the racetrack all the time in Houston. And his wife actually passed away right there in the jockey club one night. I, I know that's not funny, but it was just odd. That, uh, oh yeah, someone, no, no, that's a, that's definitely an odd thing. What she did? She have a heart attack? She just sort of yeah, came over? just just collapsed right there and was mm. gone. It was it was crazy. Okay, and and so if if you have a preference, are you a jockey club kind of guy, or are you more like uh, you're going to sit in the bar with the with the other guys? <laughs> well, one time I was in as part of the media. I went to the Breeders' Cup at. Uh, Hollywood Park. It was the year Skipaway won the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic and favorite trick. The two-year-old was champion horse of the year, and he won the juvenile that year. Uh, so I get to the uh, track in ho- at Hollywood Park, and my media credentials were hanging on my shirt just like they're supposed to be. I get up to the press box, and they said, "No, you don't have a seat up here." <laughs> I said, "Well, where am I supposed to go?" Go wherever you want, but not up here. So I went down to the rail and hung out with all the winos and in my suit and tie, and I had the greatest time of all. So it, it, you know, I'd rather just mingle among the people. What was it? Sort of a, a let it ride kind of experience, like those kinds of characters are hanging out on the rail. That's where they. Oh hang. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Those people are are just nuts, especially in California. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Richard, I think we've done it all. I think we've covered this particular scene. So uh, unless there's anything else that you'd like to add. Well, I have one little story you might find interesting if you got time. Lay it on me. All right. This was about 10 years ago. And after hitting a couple of pick sixes with the help of Jay Cronley, there was about a million dollar carryover at Santa Anita one day. This was back when they had two dollar pick sixes, right? instead of 50 centers. So I was trying to figure out what it would take to hit this pick six. And I came to the conclusion that I could probably have a really good chance with a $400 ticket, right? But it was going to be $7 million in the final pool. I thought $400. Okay. $400, that's a good investment if you get back a lot of money. I would say. So I put my ticket together, had a $400 ticket, and I got to looking at the races and came to the last race and I was up to $200 on my ticket, how much I was going to play. So I could use two horses in the last race, but 
there was a heavy favorite in the last race that just beaten everybody else in the race and had finished second in a maiden race. So it hadn't won yet, but it looked like it had to win this race. It was going to go off six to five. And there was a horse in the race named Houston Astro. Now you oh. got under, to understand, I worked at Sam Houston Race Park for five years, and I went to like 20 Houston Astro games a year, uh, and I was a huge fan. So okay. Like, this, yeah. Destiny. Destiny. Yeah, God. God is stepping in and telling me, all right, this is your one chance. And I looked at the horse, and he had just got beaten the former race by 22 lengths by the oh. favorite that I like, the favorite. That's, I said, there's a lot no of way this horse is going to make up 22 lengths. So instead of playing a $400 ticket, I played 200 Left him off. Left Houston Astro off. So they, long story short, I'm five for five. Got a couple of long shots in there. So most of the pick six tickets are eliminated already. We come right. to the last race. Yeah. Come to the top of the stretch. And my favorite has oh, got man. about a five-length lead. He's going to win easy. And I looked at the will call pay, or will pays, and I was going to win $100,000 with this six to five horse. Okay. And that's the only one I had in the race. Okay. Yeah. So get about uh, to the 16th pole. And the announcer, I guess it was Trevor Denman back then, he starts saying, uh, there's one long shot coming at your favorite. He's making a run on the outside. And I'm thinking, oh, God, please don't let it be Houston Astro. Right. Uh, it comes up to my horse. It gets past my horse. And it's 70 to 1. But it's not Houston Astro. Oh, thank some God. Other horse. So oh, thank God. All right. So I'm, I'm thinking now I'm going to get consolation. And all of a sudden he says, the long shot is pulled up. He's pulled up. He's not going to finish. And now I'm on the lead again with my $100,000 horse. And he says, there's only one other horse that can get him. And they're coming to the wire together. Oh, Houston no. Astro gets up by a head. And he's 30 to 1. And uh, I'm waiting for the the uh, announcer to tell me how much it pays. He said, in today's pick six, there were two winning tickets. And they each pay $1.5 million. Oh, my God. If I had put Houston Astro on my ticket, there would have been three tickets paying a million each. And that was my last chance to win a million dollars. I don't even play the lottery anymore because I had my chance. <laughs> I not the lottery up. anymore. Oh my god! You uh, certainly, you know what? You the way you tell the story, I gotta say, you seem to handle it very well at this point. But oh man, that is that is such a terrible beat because it was as though the universe was telling you something. Exactly. And then, and then the logic kicked in, and you, you know, yeah, I had to listen to myself. Yeah, the you know, head over the heart, and it, it just screws you up. Oh, and I man. Won, I won $3,000 on five of six, but I'd never been so upset <laughs> at winning $3,000 in my life. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado. A big thank you to my guest, sports writer Richard Linehan. Our theme music is from Epidemic Sound. Our cover art is by Sean Labrie. 
If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, well then, you can feel free to leave us a very nice, pleasant five-star review wherever it is that you can. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, some other podcasting app, or better yet, maybe just tell another Let It Ride fan about it. It may or may not help the show get noticed, but it will bring a little bit of satisfaction into my empty life. You can contact me through my email. It's dan at moviemaker.com. I'm on Twitter at underscore Dan underscore Delgado. Or even better, I'm on the Repod app, which is a great way to not only to listen to podcasts, but to interact with podcast hosts like me. You can find it in your app store. Come by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for the Jockey Club. And remember, you might be walking around lucky and not know it. <laughs>